We are, in, I mean, obviously, you know, every time you turn on the TV or whatever, unprecedented, uncertain, like insert whatever word you want. Uh, I have words that I would insert that I can't say out loud as a pastor. Um, but, but the word that I see more often than anything is fearful. We are in fearful times. What I want to talk to you about this morning is how do we deal with that fear? Maybe a mental shift, or uh, how do we put everything that we're going through in context? Okay, because you know whether you voted for the president that's coming in, or you didn't, or you 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 wear masks, or you don't wear masks, or you 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 can continue in your job and you work from home, or maybe you're getting laid off, or you don't know how long the uh, the money that uh, the um, unemployment's going to last, all these different things of fear. You're worried about your family. You're worried about those who, um, who might be around you that are compromised. Uh, we have a gentleman, Neil, that's in our church. Actually, they're in Arizona who is uh, in hospice right now. So if you just think to pray for Neil, that would be great. Um, but he's trying to like breathe without, a, a, without, you know, put, have an extra oxygen and stuff. And so he's compromised. And so if you're part of Neil's family or part of our church family that knows Neil, then you, you, there's this fear. There's this, uh, maybe we could just call it unrest of the future. What's, what's it gonna, what's it gonna bring? So, um, when we first got married, so Lisa Lisa and I were high school sweethearts. Or she was my sweetheart. I was just kind of like, um, and uh, we got married right after college, and we bought a house way too soon than we should have. And my dad, I love my dad. I'm, I, I, my dad's watching right now. Dad, I love you. Um, he does all sorts of stuff well. But one of the things that um, I never really learned was how to fix stuff around the house. I mean, that wasn't really like his of his many gifts and strengths. That just wasn't one of them. As a matter of fact, his brothers called him Ah Rittenhouse because he was always like falling through the ceiling. Ah, you know, when he's trying to fix stuff. And hey, this is his brothers. I didn't do it. I wouldn't. Uh, so, um, so when we bought our house, I, I, had, to, I had to do everything myself because we had no money, right? And so for Christmas and my birthday, all I would ask for is tools. I just wanted tools. Um, uh, uh, and, and because I, I couldn't afford them I, or, or gift cards to Home Depot because Home Depot back then, uh, was just kind of on its way, you know? And so I, uh, I asked for tools. I asked for, uh, gift, gift cards. Well, one Christmas, my brother-in-law, David, he comes with this big box. It's super heavy and he knows how to fix stuff really well. So I just imagined that in that box was going to be all the initial tools I'd need to fix up the house. Oh, I don't know. Maybe a hammer, a screwdriver, um, you know, just the stuff that you would go, you know, both the Phillips head and then the flat head. And you got crescent wrench, maybe some sockets. I don't know. You wouldn't use that for your house, but whatever. Just something, right? And this box was so heavy and I was so excited because I knew it had to be filled with tools. And when I opened it up, it was filled with this. 
I don't know if you can see it online. You can, Mark? Okay, cool. It, it's a 90-pound vice. So I had to take this out of my garage this morning. Uh, you need to stretch before you start picking up heavy stuff like that, okay? That's just a pro tip. You won't learn that from a lot of pastors, but, um, but you should, um, yeah. And then also in your back seat, lay a towel down, okay? So we'll worry about that later, honey. Um, but uh, it's this vice. And I did what everybody does when they get a gift they don't want. You go, oh my gosh, wow, look at that. Man, that's cool. That's heavy. Man, that's well built. Woo. I'm thinking to myself, what? <laughs> Honestly, what am I going to do with this? Right? So uh, I bring it into my garage and I'm just like, okay, see ya. Ugh. Bye. <laughs> right? I have this vice. It looked a lot better then. This is the same vice, by the way. It's 30 years old. Uh, I put it into my garage, and then I had to build a, a table because they ha- vices don't just go on the floor. They got to go on a table. But guess who doesn't have any tools to build a table for the vice? Because what I really needed was tools. So I finally amass enough tools, and I make my table, and I put my vice on, and I bolt it down, and I just, I'm just like, whatever. Now I have a table with a vice. Until I needed advice, not advice. I need that all the time. A vice. And I'm like, oh, I need to clamp down that wood so that I can drill, drill into it. I'll bet I can use the vice, right? And you guys are all like, well, dude, bro, that's what a vice is for. I know that now, but I was new. My dad fell through the ceiling. I didn't know how to do this kind of stuff. I began to use I started thinking about this vice before I think about anything else. It's like the most amazing, versatile tool you can have. You can, you can like pound stuff out on the top here. Like if you have some steel or you're forging a sword, okay, like whatever, you can do that. You, you can put it in here and hold pipes because it grips the pipes. And then it, it like does that. This swivels around. And you know what? Vice, vices last forever. Hopefully not your personal vice, but vices last forever. This is the same vice. This is it. I love this vice. You say, John, where are you going? And I thought the Bible was supposed to be involved. It, it is. This to me represents my relationship with Jesus. Okay? You're like, wow, this is a big one. This represents my relationship with Jesus. When I first entered into that relationship with him, when I first accepted him as my Lord and Savior, when I first said, God, I cannot do this on my own. I need something. I need an anchor. I need something that other than me ruling my life. I prayed that prayer. I accepted Jesus, but I had no idea how it was going to change my life. Because we don't in the beginning, right? We don't, you, you, you pray a prayer, maybe for you, depending on your generation. It's just like, um, heaven, yes, <laughs> no to hell. So I'm going to raise my hand. And you think, okay, I got out of hell. Phew, and made it. So happy. Well, that, that's great, by the way. Do that, okay? But that's not your day-to-day. That's not your minute-by-minute. Minute. That's not your 
how do I get through 2020? Like, how, how do we get through a pandemic? How do we get through uh, racial injustice as we navigate those things and we begin to have finally the conversations that we should have been having all along? Like, how, 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 do we, how do we do that? Well, hopefully, by the time we get done, um, we'll be looking at going to Jesus for those things. So we're in uh, Advent. Advent is a celebration of the coming of Jesus. It's a celebration that our Heavenly Father knew we needed a Savior, that our Heavenly Father loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. And so this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, (laughs) she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So let me just tell you kind of the history lesson of what happens. You could, uh, they were arranged marriages and you would say, you're marrying you. And then they have to work out all the details. Now, um, that might, that probably involves a dowry of some sort of uh, paying the, the, the father for the bride. Now, before you start thinking that it was just a piece of property, you have to understand what the context is that they needed every single one of those kids in the house to make sure that all the work was done. So when you take one of them out of the home, you need to replace that with something that will help them get the work done. And so uh, we were in Africa um, a year ago, and I was talking to this dude. He was talking about his arranged marriage, really cool guy. And uh, I said, hey, I got a quick, quick question. If you just don't think I'm like a stupid American, like, did you have to pay the parents like something. He's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. She was worth like a whole bunch of cattle. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, but doesn't that seem weird? She's like, no, she was really important to that family. (laughs) Like, like it didn't, it wasn't like Western thinking. Like we, we think, right. Well, that's the same here. He's betrothed. She's betrothed to him. And then she is found out to be pregnant in the law. That would mean that she needs to go out and get, be killed. Because she basically cheated on him, right? And so that's where we are. She, she was found out to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, you guys know the story that uh, an angel had already come to her and told her this. And she says, you know, what can I, you know, whatever, however I may serve, let me do it. And listen to this. This is cool about Joseph. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Man, I wish this guy was on social media. That would be awesome. More of those people. He had in mind to divorce her, divorce her quietly. He was just going to like, let it kind of go. You know, maybe she made a mistake or whatever. I don't know. She's telling me this story that, that it was the Holy Spirit, which is like, honestly, who would believe? Like you think you'd be- you wouldn't believe that either. No one would believe that. Ah, God knew that. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Man, could you imagine being visited by an angel? We did a whole series one time called Fear Not, because that's every time an angel visits, that's what they start off with. Do not fear. Fear not. I know this is freaky. I understand. But it's okay. She will give birth to a son. Now listen to this. This is so awesome. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Do you understand what's happening right now? 
God is telling Joseph what name he should give God. God is literally choosing his own name right now. It's so sweet. You know what he chooses? Yeshua. Yahweh saves. When God names God, he names himself Yahweh saves. Yeshua. And he tells this angel, when you go and you give Joseph his freaky dream, make sure you name Jesus, Jesus. Watch what he says. Because he will save his people from their sins. You all, all of us, we all know this. We all know that we sin. We all know that we miss the mark. We all know that we fall short. What do we do about that? How do we handle that? I'm just going to get better. I mean, good luck. I mean, get better. Sure. But, you know, it doesn't work that way. All this took place. And this is what Mickey was reading uh, earlier. And thanks, Mick, for doing that. We appreciate that. We're, when, what we're going to try to do is all the videos that we show for Advent are from are going I'm hoping they're from our online community so that we just get this idea that we're all one family. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. This morning. No matter what goes on in a pandemic, no matter what. Whether you're in California or in another state, no matter what your leaders decide is the best course of action through this pandemic. No matter if they get a vaccine fast enough, no matter if um, we, we just continue to have unrest, no matter how much, uh, you know, is going on politically. God is with you. God is. Is in your life. He's in your homes. He's in your work. He's in your circumstances. The reason God sent Jesus is that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. You look at your circumstances. Maybe this pandemic has, has driven you away from your kids or, you know, you're at home with your spouse and things are starting to get like bad or what have you, or you lost your job or whatever. It does. It never changes the fact that your heavenly father loves you and that he is with you. He's with you when you're scared. He's with you when you're fearful. He's with you when you're, uh, when things are uncertain. And really, when you look at kind of all of the Bible, that's the story of the whole Bible. If you go back to Genesis, right? So God I, I don't know how he did it, however long it took, whatever, uh, seven days, seven million years, whatever. God did it. He pulled it off. He created the earth and the universe. Okay. So he does this and then he creates humanity. He creates man. And he says something very interesting. This is true for us today. It's not good for man to be alone. Not just man, there's us. In other words, it's not good to be isolated. Our brains don't handle that very well. We're a communal species, okay? And so he says it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates woman, all right? And so there they are. They're jamming along. 
And he says, go be fruitful and multiply. Gives them jobs to do. Tells them to take care of the earth. All this kind of stuff. But the thing about Genesis that I love the most is when God would walk with them in the cool of the day. God with us. Not us for God. For some of you, that's how you grew up. You were like, I got to live my life for God. I got to live my life for God. And that's good. Live your life for God. But it's God with us. It's a relationship. It's a journey. It's handholding. It's like he's with us. And that's how it, that's how it started off. In Leviticus, it says that uh, you will be my people and I will be your God. That's how it was in the New Testament. So you start off the earth with Emmanuel, God with us. And then in Leviticus, when he's writing the laws, he's like, the reason, whole reason we're doing this is because you will be my people and I will be your God. He goes on and Israel is looking around just kind of like we do. And they're looking at these other people groups and these other people groups have kings like, they, like, they, like ruling over them. And God's like, yeah, you don't want a king. Trust me. You don't want to have someone in power over you because here's what's going to happen. They're going to take your daughters. They're going to send your sons to war. They're going to be doing all these things. Don't have a king. I will be your king. And when the, when, the, when the nations of the world look around, they'll say, what great God is this that creates laws and things for their people, this wonderful people? And God's like, yeah, don't get a king. And they're like, yeah, you know what? I, I, we listened. We understood. I think we should get a king, <laughs> right? And that's what they do. And that's basically the destruction of Israel from that time all the way through. Read the book of Judges. It's just one bad leader after another. But you know what? Whoever leads me politically (laughs) has nothing to do with Emmanuel, God, with me. I mean, all of human history is bad leaders, right? I mean, if you keep going back and back and back. Let's elect good leaders. I understand that. But my fear or peace or joy or whatever it is, is not going to be based on the circumstances that we're in. And we are in wacky circumstances. But he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. He is God with us. Here's what it says in uh, Psalm uh, 137 through 8. Just super simple. Starts off, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. If my hope is in the economy coming back, I'm, I'm going to be messed up. If my hope is in a vaccine, which I hope we get one, I want one, I, I pray for one, there'll be another pandemic, it'll be another vaccine we got to make. If my hope is in my finances, I look at my 401k and I go, oh boy, that number is so good. I love that number. I'm in deep trouble because when that number tanks, where do I run to? I run to my heavenly father who's been there the whole time. (laughs) I just didn't know what it was like to go through something like this and having a relationship with him. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord for With the Lord is unfailing love. See, not only is God with you, he loves you. He knows what you're going through. He cares about you. You know what's amazing? He set a whole thing up that when you 
completely give your life to Jesus. I mean, I mean, like you're serious. The fruit of that, the result of that, regardless of your circumstances, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what happens when we take advantage of Emmanuel, God with us. He goes on. For the Lord is unfailing, is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Full redemption. Because some of you might be thinking, whether you're watching or you're here with us, you might be thinking, oh, no, man. He saw my 20s. <laughs> like he saw who I was then, or he saw my 30s, or he saw my divorces, or he saw the way I treated people back before I knew better. Full redemption. We go to him and we say, Father, you know, forgive me. I've sinned. I messed up. That's why God came uh, for us. For he himself will redeem Israel. And this gets transferred to us as well. From what? Redeem them from what? From all their sins. Your hope is in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. John uh, was one of the disciples, and he uh, obviously was hanging out with Jesus. And so um, if, if, if you're new to the Bible, let's say, and you're just like, well, I'd like to get started, John is a good book to get started in because it basically tells the story of Jesus, and it talks about um, uh, just the heart of God. Because when you see Jesus, when you see Jesus' heart, you're just seeing the heart of God. Like, the more you learn about Jesus, the more you'll know about your Heavenly Father. Because they abide in one another. It, it, when you start thinking about the Trinity, your head will explode. Because uh, it's wacky. But that's the way it goes. If you want to learn about God, learn about Jesus. When Jesus looked out over the people, and he felt compassion over them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You just saw a glimpse into the heart of your heavenly father, Emmanuel, God with us. For he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So here's what John says. The word became flesh. In other words, Jesus, God decides to have God show up in a body to demonstrate the life that we can all have if we just would put our lives into the hands of our Heavenly Father and made His dwelling among us. He hung out with us. I wonder back then, if I would live back then, if I would have missed just the value. It's like, oh yeah, Jesus, He's a good teacher. Everything's cool. You know, I, I heard He fed some people. I don't know, but you know stories and you just miss it all right i wonder in my relationship with him now what i'm missing what i'm missing because i i'm too tempted i i, I don't know if he's really god with me in this situation i don't need a vice so i'll put you over there i'll go do this one myself but then all of a sudden i get farther into the project and i'm like help you know and you go running back he made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full 
of grace, listen to this, and truth. These two things side by side, right? Because God, even he forgives, right? And that's grace. But then he also has some things to teach us, some things to go, okay, you know what? We're going to need some discipline in these, er- in these areas. Grace and truth. One of the things I like about Living Spring, I kind of like everything, but I'm the pastor, so I guess you should, is that we have a, we have a tagline, Living Spring, belong, believe. Everyone know the last one? There you go. Thanks, David. Um, belong, believe, be changed. See, you can belong to our church family before you even believe in God. We have people uh, as part of our church family. They're still just trying to figure out, like, am I not an atheist, right? And you can belong. You can belong and have different theological bents and things like that. But believe, I'm going to try to get you to believe some stuff. And I'm not shy about it. I want you to believe that the Bible is the word of God inspired by him. His very words. I want you to believe that Jesus Christ came to die for your sins and that you're a sinner and that you can have a relationship with him. I want you to believe those things. I want you to believe that being in community is one of the most important things you can do as a believer. That your Christianity is not individual. It's communal. I want you to believe all those things. You know why? It's because I want you to be changed. And so this is this grace and truth. Jesus comes, he has compassion on the people, he accepts them as they are, but then he delivers the truth. He told the rich, this rich dude, hey, you got to sell all you have or you're going to miss out. Dude went around, you know, he didn't go like, well, you can sell half. He was like, look, you're struggling with it. You're you're making your money a God. You got to get rid of it. That's the only way it's going to work. Truth. But it was with grace. And this is how we see Jesus Here's how uh, Philippians wraps it up. And uh, oh, by the way, if you're uh, uh, online um, and you haven't gotten, uh, we're going to take communion together. So if you need to like run to the kitchen or whatever. Uh, Here's how Philippians talks about this idea of God coming in the flesh. It's amazing. It starts off with this. Have this attitude in yourselves. In other words, the pandemic, all this stuff going on, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's on how we receive the strength and the peace of Christ and we hand it out to others. Have this attitude which is in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be held on to. Think about this. What Jesus had before he became fleshy, fleshy Jesus was perfect. It was, he lived in perfection. He lives in perfection. Like, it, I don't know how it all went down, but all of a sudden somebody said, you know what? You need like a meat suit and you need to go down to all the other people down there and lit, dwell among them. And he says, I'll do that. I'm not going to hang on to this thing that's going on right now. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. All the things that humans have to experience in our bodies, he experienced as the living God. 
complete perfection. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I don't know if my vice example was really good or not. I kept going back and forth. But I do know this. What it does demonstrate to me is a reminder that everywhere I go, every person I come in contact with, every meeting I have, every Zoom meeting or physical meeting or whatever, God is with me the whole time. And am I trying to do things with the wrong tool? Because I forget he's right there. Why don't I just go to him first? Now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his peace and his love and his joy and understanding his presence with you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.